The Queen was the monarch, but she was still a grandmother. You know, she, she loved them. George just got up on his tiptoes and peered into the kind of vintage pram to capture a glimpse of his sister on her, on her big day. And for me, that was just the moment that stood out. And I remember the nurses coming in, or a doctor coming in and saying, would you like to see the baby? And I thought, crikey, you know, I'm, I'm the only one here, apart from you, some police officers. If anything, it's reassuring that she is clearly painting perfectly and making that little boy feel so comfortable that he can behave like that. Welcome back to the Right Role podcast with me, Andrea. And me, Emmy. As we discuss the cutest part of the family, the royal rascals. Yes, we've watched the royal youngsters grow up over the years where they've delighted and entertained fans during their trips out with mum and dad. We've always loved updates on the youngest members of the King's family. And in this episode, we'll be taking a glimpse into their lives as their parents prepare them for their futures as part of the world's most famous family. We'll hear exclusively from Getty Images photographer Chris Jackson, who has snapped the royal children over the years and how he has been documenting history with fantastic photos. Not to mention, we'll hear from the amazing Elsa Anderson, the former press secretary to the Queen who made history with baby Prince George. And finally, we're sitting down with former Norland nanny and part of the Sleep Mums podcast, Sarah Carpenter, who will give us an insight into the rigorous training the ultimate nanny school offers to put them at the top of their game. Oh, we love the royal kids, don't we, Andrea? We do. Do you have a favourite moment? Oh, it's so difficult. And which There's one's so your many. Well, I've only seen them in person. Well, in person. I've only seen them in real life once. And that was last year during the Jubilee celebration. I didn't know that. Yes, well, it was my only day off in 10 years. Uh, so I went <laughs> down. Of course, I went down to, to Buckingham Palace because I just wanted to take my kids, um, my young kids, to celebrate. And I actually saw them in the carriage with their mum. Uh, you can take the woman out of hello. Yes, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I found that very interesting. I mean, it was so fun when they were coming down and all the crowds cheered. It was just incredible seeing them. Like, I can't imagine what they must have felt in that moment, really. What about you? Do you have any favourite moments? Well, I've never seen them in real life. Oh. It's very sad. But I, I think the thing that sticks in my mind is when they talk a little in David Attenborough's documentary oh, yeah. and they say their favourite animals and it's really cute. And But, I mean, Charlotte's the, the winner of the three, I think, because she says her favourite animals are spiders. I like David Attenborough. I like spiders. Do you like spiders too? Oh, but <laughs> I love Louis because he says animals. What animal do you like? Oh. Oh, they are. We adorable. need more videos of them. Well, I would love to hear the opinion of someone with us today who has been there for every Cambridge baby the day that they've come out of the Lindo Wing. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Royal Editor Emily Nash. Hello, thank you for having me. It makes me sound like a bit of a stalker. <laughs> You're there on a professional capacity. Exactly. I'd like fine. to just emphasise being there on a professional capacity, yes. But you were. You were there for George, Charlotte and Louis. I was there for all three. Um, pregnant with my own son for George as well and sitting on the pavement in the heat. Um, feeling a bit sorry for myself to be honest I can't blame you George was epic and then you know they controlled things for Charlotte definitely they did the the George wait was about three weeks and I don't think the palace had quite anticipated how intense that was going to be but all, all worked out in the end and all three really happy occasions and fun to cover so talking about our favorite moments you heard us do you have any to add 
I do. I do have a couple. One of them, in fact, is uh, around Louis's birth. And that was when George and Charlotte were taken by William to meet him for the first time. Aww. And that was just such so a cute. touching scene. Yeah, the two of them walking along and George was sort of very proper in his school uniform and Charlotte, you know, a natural with the cameras actually turning and waving and uh, got quite a reaction out of us all. I can't imagine what they must have like felt, what they saw incredible yeah I mean it's a daunting moment for them and and I think William and Kate rightly don't expose them to too much of that Um, but as we've seen and especially last year at the the Jubilee they carry themselves very well in public very well very well you've also been on tour with the kids do you have any favorite moments from that I think the one that stands out in my memory is George and Charlotte visiting Canada with William and Kate and what was lovely about that is that for us as well. The tour was fairly calm because it was all based out of one place. Um, But the kids were just absolutely charming. And I remember them getting on the seaplane in Victoria Harbour right at the end of their stay and coming out of the car and doing this double-handed wave to the cameras. And Charlotte was still a toddler and she just melted hearts. It was very, very cute to watch. So, Emily, whilst you've been documenting the royal children over the years, our next guest has been capturing them on camera. That's right. My very good friend, Chris Jackson, who is Getty Images royal photographer extraordinaire. Um, He's photographed all the key members of the royal family over the last 20 years. He's travelled to more than 100 countries around the world and he's taken some of the most memorable royal photographs of recent years. Chris Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Wow, Emily, thank you. That's a very kind introduction. I'm not sure about extraordinaire, but thank you for having me. It's uh, always lovely to chat with you. Chris, we have got lots of questions for you this week about the royal children. That is something that fascinates royal watchers all over the world. And if you've been present for a lot of their public outings and taken some absolutely gorgeous photographs of them, I, I know Andrea is bursting to <laughs> yes. ask you more. <laughs> I thought you were the perfect guest for today because you've actually photographed them since the first day. Like, you know, George, Charlotte, for example, and Louis from their very first day and you're still photographing them now. And I just want to know how that feels. I think, you know, it is one of the most lovely parts of my job to capture, you know, photographs of the children. They add a whole new dynamic to any royal engagement. Of course, the fact we don't see them all that often makes it all the more special. So, yeah, and you're right, you know, photographing them from those first moments at those nondescript wooden doors, the Linde winning in Paddington, makes it all the more special. And, you know, that element of, you know, slight element of not knowing how the royal engagement's going to pan out. It just adds such a fun energy to anything and, and you know, often makes for the most lovely pictures that are really endearing and, and people love looking at. Would you say you enjoy royal engagement more when they're children involved? 100%, 100%. It just makes it all the more enjoyable and just lovely photographs. And, you know, travelling on royal tours with the children, again, not super common but something that's lovely and adds a whole new dynamic does make it a little bit more challenging sometimes you have a kind of a large group of people to photograph but certainly it makes the pictures that everyone wants to see uh, makes you smile and I often find myself you know smiling behind the camera uh, and really enjoying capturing those moments. 
I was going to say, you never really know what the royal kids are going to do next, do you? Is it quite entertaining to to get those moments? Yeah, of course. And the thing with the children is you're always capturing royal firsts. So it could be, you know, Charlotte's first bouquet as she arrives at the airport in Germany when she comes on a visit. Or, you know, um, George's first handshake. And these are all historic moments. You, know, you have to remember that these are pictures that people will look back on, you know, tens of decades time maybe even a hundred years time they're, they're historic photographs and the lovely thing is seeing the royal children grow up over time we often watch them at events like trooping the color um, it's always one of those kind of key moments for a royal photographer every year where you see the royal family on the balcony at Buckingham Palace and you see the changes you go back you look at last year you look at the year before and you can see the children grow up over time and it's that kind of lovely reference point and it's you know it's important and it, you are creating this archive of images that um, are part of the fabric of British history I suppose. I love photography and I do it on the side and I, I love photographing families and kids and I have my own little things that I know will work with children. I do have these little things that I buy on Amazon like you know you put little goggly eyes <laughs> on your fingers or little puppets. Do you have any tricks? Yeah that's definitely stuff I've used in the past. I think what's really important for a photographer is to to not just pile in with your cameras you know and, and to build up a little bit of a rapport even if it's moments before the shoot. Don't just you know crack on snapping away I think it's really important to kind of put the camera down start off engage with your subject and that's important across the board and I think you know even more so with children you don't want them to feel nervous you don't want them to feel yeah. apprehensive it's making your subjects feel relaxed they need to and enjoy the experience exactly do you have any favorite photos that you've taken of the kids and which one and why there's definitely some favorites um when I look back over the years there was a particularly memorable tour with um Prince George in um Canada a trip with the Cambridges and I remember photographing him and at a military tea party oh, and it sounds, it sounds very formal but <laughs> it was a lovely moment where Prince William was uh, blowing bubbles uh, for George and you know he was totally unaware of what was going on around yeah. him just focused on this one moment and it's that kind of and it's just so far from the formality of yeah, normal yeah. royal photographs which is what makes it so endearing and the bubbles are reflected in his eyes and you always find with the kids it's really lovely to have have them around that was particularly memorable moment um george's first day of school that was that was lovely and special to capture that moment at i love those palace. yeah you know he had such a such great expression there um his fourth birthday yes. portrait was nice uh, was that in nice. a studio setting that's just, you know using a studio backdrop yeah. say uh, and again you know there's different ways of doing things as a photographer you can have them within the environment they're yeah. in or you can take them out of that environment use something a little bit different and yeah, it was for me that may enabled you, the viewer to focus on the expression, and and I was lucky enough to capture like a, there was a lovely expression. So, so that was really special. And you know, any of these kind of key moments, it's a real honour to kind of to capture those because you look you look back on those over the years, as I mentioned. But yeah, and royal tours. Looking back on tours over the years, there's been so many great ones. Um, visiting Germany. There was a lovely moment actually with Charlotte at that same tea party. And they with had the, a little, the horse as well. Uh, there a tiny. There was a dog, I think. There was a white. A there was a, <laughs> a small animal. Small animal. Small animal. I mean, it could have been a very small horse. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think when you get something that they're concentrating on, take for example when we visited Taronga Zoo with the bilby, George's namesake. A bilby is a small marsupial, furry marsupial. You're probably quite familiar with it if you live in Australia. And Duke and Duchess were with the children, but they were looking at this bilby. And the kids were totally focused on what was going on in front of them. And so you had this absolute, you know, not really aware of what was going on around. So you had very natural expressions. They weren't, 
you know, of course, sometimes it's nervous and nerve wracking being in, in a sort of royal engagement environment. But you get these lovely moments where they're totally focused on something yeah. different. So that's when, for me, you get the most lovely, candid, relaxed expressions. And there was one particular moment in that that shot actually where William just kissed George on the head and it was just you know it's something that I do with my son every day like 50 times a day but for a royal photographer that kind of intimacy and that lovely moment that's the shot yeah I just kind of I cropped it slightly differently and the bilby's not in the picture but for me that's just a lovely moment is that the same event where um, Prince George throws the little toy that he gets given he gets given like a flood that's that's my favourite top five Prince George moments He does love it, You capture like incredible candid moments. Have you gifted them your pictures? Have they asked for a specific photo that you've captured? Or do they do you know if they have a favourite of yours? I think no, I think of course I'm sure they have many family faces. They're so lucky. Of course, the I have Duchess, a photographer there all, yeah. every day. <laughs> the, the Dutch, this is, you know, the, the princess, the princess. Oh, the princess now. Sorry. I know, we Looking, keep forgetting. <laughs> whenever I think back to past yeah, engagements, I'm always, you know, yeah. using the, uh, the the previous name. Um, but, you know, she's a great photographer. We've obviously seen some fantastic photographs from They're her. Great. And I think, you know, she's building up her library of images of, of the children, her family, like we all do, you know, creating that family album. And it's, it's great. She's got a passion for photography. It was always, Lovely for me to see her become, um, she took over from the Queen as patron of the Royal Photographic Society and there was a particular engagement there when that was announced um, in South London where she was sitting down with the children with the camera. And for me, I'm passionate about photography. I love it. Seeing other people involved in it just, you know, and then the kids enjoying it is just so special. So that's great. You talk about the kids being unaware when they were younger. Do you think they're more aware of the cameras now? Of course, you know, things change as the, as the children grow up. And, yeah, we've seen um, a lot of the children in sort of more formal royal engagements and maybe a little bit more aware of the environment around them. Um, of course, I mentioned Trooping the Colour. That's always uh, great to see them there. And, of course, remember the Platinum Jubilee, you know, not well, that yes, long ago. That, that's my next question. <laughs> exactly. That was just, you know, last year was, of course... Just um, a year of incredible highs and incredible lows. lows. Yeah. For me, actually, actually, that sorry to interrupt that right. balcony um, image of George and the Queen, the late Queen, was really very significant. I think it was almost like a, a sort of passing the baton. Obviously, yeah. you had the then Prince of Wales, the Duke of Cambridge, and George all on the balcony with her, but there was some lovely footage of her turning to talk to George and him sort of beaming up at her. And you've really got a sense of their relationship, but also this continuity. And it sort of goes so much further than family photographs in some ways. Oh, totally. I mean, that's an extra dynamic you have with royal photos. You have that deeper historical context, which um, makes these moments so important to capture, you know. And as a photographer, you do feel the pressure of that history and you don't want to it up basically yeah. um, but that was a particularly special moment I will never forget because we sort of got taken to the forecourt of um, Buckingham Palace and no one really knew if the Queen was going to make a final appearance yeah. you know and then of course she came out dressed in green and it was just an incredibly emotional Charles moment. was very emotional there's a video that we yeah. did a story on and he was emotional and that's when I told the team I was like I feel like he knows that this is kind of like the last Falcon appearance because he does appear like very teary-eyed that was a very moving it end, was, yeah. end to the weekend but and before that we had an iconic pageant jubilee pageant 
yes. moment. And I cannot imagine what it was like <laughs> for you photographers because it was like moment after moment after moment of like kids everywhere. Of Louis. <laughs> yeah, but it was Louis' expressions. Louis, it was like them, the you know, the kids sharing sweets. You, I mean, what was it like for you? Was it just insane? Do you know what? It was, it was lovely. It was just overused phrase sorry but it was really heartwarming it was just lovely to see you know I found myself chuckling behind the camera because it was just so enjoyable taking the photographs and I think that's one of the things you find with royal photography is it's quite often the moments are just happy moments which yeah. is which is great um you know I suppose as a news photographer you might have some more serious <laughs> things to cover but it's it's lovely to capture those moments and that was a particularly great moment as the buses came up for every decade yeah of course there was some great music we saw louis really enjoying it it was a lovely moment where louis was bouncing on um, john charles the king's lap. lap yeah you know that was and that reminded me that took me back to that sheet you mentioned the 70th birthday yeah. there was a picture i also took of of louis with the then prince of yeah. wales and and the duchess in that same frame and and it took me back to that moment. So, you know, it's always great to see the link between the generations. And it's quite rare for, for you know, a photographer to capture those kind of really lovely, intimate family moments. Yeah. And yeah, Louis was absolutely loving it, of course. And, you know, that was good fun to capture that. Talking about those sort of big generational moments, Chris, what about uh, the Christmas pudding mixing? Because that was a really special moment. Another to top five moment of Prince George's. I love name. that you've got a chart. <laughs> yeah, we need to go through that chart. <laughs> Yeah, that was just really lovely. It was obviously a Christmas photo shoot and um, they're in Buckingham Palace mixing up Christmas pudding for the Royal British Legion uh, together at Christmas campaign. So there's obviously all for a good cause. And, you know, it was one of those moments, which is so often the case in royal photography, that you've got what is a lovely family moment, but it also has deeper kind of historical context. So, of course, you had the Queen and the heirs to the throne. And it's it's rare, really, to capture these kind of moments with everyone in the same photo. And for me, of course, the formal portrait has, has its place, and it's important to capture that. For what I enjoy capturing more than anything, though, the more informal, candid moments that give you an insight into kind of people's characters. And this was a lovely, relaxed situation with all mixing up Christmas pudding, George, particularly enthusiastically. And, uh, yeah, even the Queen's helping out there in the background. And if you look really closely at the Christmas tree, you can see some some kind of royal-themed um, decorations. There's a corgi on there, some crowns. Uh, but, yeah, it's just a lovely moment. Everything came together and, uh, you know, qu- quite a rare situation. And, and, again, talking about these really candid family moments, there was Charlotte's christening at Sandringham. and We got those fantastic images of George on his tiptoes looking into the pram. Yeah, and that's that's a great example of um, what can so often happen uh, when we're on engagements. As I really remember, like laying out my kit before on that morning, and you know, feeling quite a lot of pressure. It was a big moment, it's a big royal situation, and christening. Uh, and I thought, you know, what's the picture going to be today? Of course, it's going to be Charlotte in her like Honiton lace uh, dress, and and that's going to be the photo. But in actual fact, the one that stood out to me on the day was a most unexpected moment where George just got up on his tiptoes and peered in kind of vintage pram to capture a glimpse of his sister on her on her big day. And for me, that was just the moment that stood out. It was just lovely. It was it was candid. It was kind of informal and, and just honest. And I love that moment. 
Chris, thank you so much for coming to talk to us all about your experience of photographing the royal children and, of course, other members of the family. It's absolutely fascinating to hear a bit more about the behind the scenes set up. And, of course, listeners can have a look at all of these fantastic images on Getty Images, but also in your two books, uh, Modern Monarchy and A Queen for Our Times. Have I got that right? Yes, Elizabeth II, Queen for Our Time. Yep. Um, and they're, they're out there. He's on Instagram. Um, they're incredible. He, he has a lot, a lot of you have photographs a big fan in his base. archive. <laughs> we haven't mentioned the fans, but you have big fans on Twitter. Well, it's, it's, I mean, social media is amazing for, <laughs> for just get, you know, get out there, put pictures on. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful. There's some lovely people. There. Thank you for coming. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank, Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Well, that was a great chat. Yeah, I'm definitely part of his fan club now, Yay! I think. I've joined them. It's so funny to think that he was directly responsible for some of my favourite captured moments from the Royal Youngsters. I love that he took that photo of George at the zoo. That is an iconic photo. Well, yes, but if you like George anecdotes, we're about to chat to a woman who will have plenty up her sleeve. Elsa Anderson was the Queen's press secretary until 2013 and played a very special role in welcoming our future king. Elsa, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, you worked at Buckingham Palace with the Queen from 2001. To I did. 2013. Yep. Can you start off telling us about your top highlight from your time there? Oh, my golly. There were so many. I was so fortunate and privileged to do that role. I remember on one occasion, it was the state visit by the President of the United States and Mrs. Obama. And normally on one of those uh, occasions, there is a formal lunch for the travelling party and for the household. So a lunch probably for about 30 people, which the Queen hosts. And you have a pre-lunch reception, champagne reception. And I was standing there chatting to somebody in the household. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw the Queen coming towards us with President Obama. And I thought, oh, she's not coming over here. Anyway, she walked straight up to me and said... Uh, Mr. Mr. President, this is my press secretary, Ailsa. She's married to a naval officer. And all I could think was, oh, my God, oh, my God, the Queen is introducing me to Barack Obama. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. And I was a complete gibbering wreck. It was just extraordinary. You made history just before quitting in 2013, and it involves Prince George. Can you tell us about uh, that? My golly. So tradition has it that when a royal baby is born a certificate, a notice is put on the railings of Buckingham Palace in a very, very beautiful antique frame which has been used you know, for, for centuries. So I was very, very fortunate enough to walk across that iconic forecourt of Buckingham Palace with one of our wonderful footmen and post this, this announcement on the railings of Buckingham Palace. There were thousands of people outside there and obviously the, the media there as well. And again, a, a huge privilege and something wonderful to be part of history. What do you remember about that day? Were you just waiting until you got the announcement? Just we were. So I was at home. I remember getting a call from a colleague saying uh, she's, she's gone into hospital. She's in that, labor. Was that before we knew? Yes, absolutely. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought, first thing I thought being a girl is, right, what am I going to wear today then? Okay. <laughs> and then going in and then it was just really a waiting game in in the palace for the for the happy news and everyone, you know, on bated breath. It, it was wonderful. And then we all, once it happened and the sign had, had gone up, we all had a glass of champagne and all you know, toasted, toasted the happy couple and the new baby. Regarding his name, did you like... Were you just informed or were there discussions around? Because, I mean, as the, as the future heir, did it feel different, his birth, to 
to other royal children? I don't know. So I was around when the Earl and Countess of Wessex had their two children. So Lady Louise, who of course was eight weeks premature, yeah. so that was all incredibly dramatic. And I remember I was sitting at home. We were having a dinner party, actually. And I got a call from Marcus Setchell, who was the uh, Queen's gynaecologist, who was overseeing the birth. He said, I'm in a police car on my way to Frimley Park Hospital. Oh, gosh. You better come here. So I thought, you know, crikey. So I ordered a taxi, let my husband do the washing up, which was I think was a first in our marriage, <laughs> um, and got myself down to, to, to Frimley Park. But the Earl of Wessex was abroad on an yes. official visit. Um, they couldn't get hold of her parents. So basically, it was just me and Marcus and the Countess in the oh, hospital. No. It, was, it, was, it was so dramatic. And I remember the nurses coming in, or a doctor coming in and saying, would you like to see the baby? And I thought, crikey, you know, I'm, I'm the only one here, apart from you know, some police officers. It was just, it was really, really surreal. I'm, I'm sure really, she really appreciated you being there. Well, she was very poorly. And of course, the baby then was taken, Lady Reeds was taken to um, St. George's Hospital in Tooting. So it was a really incredibly stressful time for them. You know, Prince Edward trying to get back over, yeah. um, you know, waiting for the flights. It was, it was, it was really, it was touch and go, touch and go. And then sort of planning the announcement cleared and then phoning the press association to release it at about five o'clock in the morning wow. so that was obviously a very different experience to, to the, the prince george so sorry going back to your original question i don't know how different it would be compared to other births um i wasn't a party to the discussions about names i would have thought as in most families that's going to be uh, between between the couple but obviously you know very traditional having the name yeah. george great name yeah, I, w- I would have thought they would have had to keep it kingly, maybe. They couldn't have gone off uh, piece with it. Not Barry, then, you don't no, think? No, maybe not Barry. Kevin. Yeah. Kevin. King Kevin. King Kevin. <laughs> Absolutely no offence to any Kevins who no, may be listening. No, no, we Sorry, Kevin. Elsa, <laughs> you have obviously experienced it from inside the palace. How do you think that the media landscape has changed in terms of the general approach to royal children. It's very different now to when Prince William and Prince Harry were young, for yeah, example. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, we didn't have the influx of social media then. Mm. So it almost feels that everybody can have a part or have a part of you um, rather than just just you know, the traditional press now. So I think that is a, a big deal. And sometimes it can be a bit brutal. Mm. I mean, we all see it. You know, you you put something out on social media and some of the comeback and the comments are pretty wounding. And if you're in the public eye, I think you have to develop a a much tougher skin. But then on the plus side, you can also sometimes control your own narrative. So I know with um, Prince and Princess of Wales now, they have their own, obviously, their own social media accounts, but they also post their own photographs. So rather than having the traditional photo call, as you would do 20, 30 years ago, they actually do it themselves and then post it out. So that's a a bit different. And I suppose in some ways it's more controllable because Mm. you, you have editorial control rather than letting others have it. And, and in your experience as well, and you know, perhaps I know certainly we were still in the Periscope days of Twitter when when you were still at the palace. But is there a lot of input from Royal Communications and things like that, or do you think it enables members of the royal family to have a bit more autonomy? They're able to um, take it into their own hands. I think they still, certainly in my day, relied a lot, relied full stop on Royal Communications. Mm. I mean, the communications team 
did the lead and did the suggesting. But obviously, uh, members of the Royal Family have to sign it off. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't do anything without getting sign-off from them. And obviously, rightly so, especially if it's something personal or something to do with their children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and we know that the Princess of Wales has obviously taken lots of photographs yeah. herself. Do you think that there were occasions where you want to bring the royal children out? There's a lot better understanding now, isn't there, about not wanting to invade their personal space. Yeah, and not absolutely. To... And also their children. Yeah. And I have no idea. I've never been in the public glare like that. But it might be a bit scary for them, yeah, especially that young age, to be confronted by you know banks of photographers and reporters shouting out. Yeah, and most children would might be a little bit apprehensive. So I think yeah, issuing photographs yourself is a is a good way of slowly introducing the children and also having the control. You've been with the Queen in all sorts of situations. What was she like when she was surrounded by her grandchildren and great grandchildren? Like any doting mother, grandmother and great grandmother. Anyone who meets the Queen says you know, she she would smile and you'd feel like a you know a lighthouse beacon you know, glowing at you and you know, it was her with her children and grandchildren great grandchildren giving her time to relax and be as any grandmother would you know be natural be relaxed not be in in public gaze you know, she she loved them how did the kids act around her happy charming naughty you know? <laughs> Again, she may be the monarch, but she's still a grandmother. grandmother. Um, so yeah, it's utterly charming. What I've seen, what I, I saw, utterly charming. Do you see that? Were those her happiest moments? Because you were with her over a decade. Like, was she her happiest when she was just doing she loved family, her family. She yeah. loved her family, but then she was very happy around her horses, around her corgis, around her other dogs, uh, around her husband, her sister. Her, you know, the Queen was... Yeah, family was everything to her, but you know, country was everything to her. The Commonwealth was everything to her. Do royal children get taught uh, from very early on how to kind of be royal, how to act around other royals, or do they just get to be? Kids? I think it's a bit like osmosis, isn't it? You just pick it up as you go along. Yeah, you know, like all of us. Um, I don't think, you know, it's not like going to school and you sit down and say, this is how you curtsy, you know, this is how you address members of the family. I think it's all, you, you, you pick it up as you go along. Oh, I can imagine a tiny little Prince George bowing to her. Just <laughs> <laughs> Christmas they probably morning. find it funny at that age because kids just like to imitate, you know, when they're so young and they yes, just like absolutely. to be part of. And you've seen all those balcony pictures of oh, Charlotte. You know, the kids you know, mucking around and yeah. and Louis, who's now you know the star of the show, being a bit a bit naughty. Yeah, it'll be lovely during the coronation in, in May to see how the, the children will yeah. will react. There's a sweet, the sweetest video of Charlotte seeing her great-grandma wave to the crowd and then she starts copying. Oh, and yeah. Kate, Kate sees it and laughs and tells the Queen what she's doing. They just yes. want to be grown-ups, kids. Yeah. 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 I, what I've always wanted to know is what is it like in the room just before they step out onto the balcony? I imagine oh, there's a bit of a, a flurry of activity. Were, yes. you, were you ever there for yes. those moments? Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. So it's all there's normally a television in there. So when they're not on the balcony and not seeing it, they can actually watch what's going on um, on the TV. So there's always a TV there. There's always drinks, you know, a smattering of people from the household. And a lovely atmosphere. It's an absolutely lovely atmosphere. And the Queen always adored seeing the fly past oh, yeah. uh, and the red arrows. Did you notice a change in her when she became a, f- a great-grandmother for the first time? Because you were working with her when Savannah Phillips uh, was born. 
That's a good question. I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, she obviously went to the christenings of Peter Phillips's two daughters, but she's you know she's close to all her all yeah. her grandchildren and great grandchildren. Um, that's the joys of having a, a very large family. Yeah, I love it. We, we touched a bit here on royal births. Um, can you tell us a bit about what's involved in managing that sort of news cycle, that news operation, when there's a big family event within the royal family or a big big moment, a milestone like that? Wonderful thing is there are many, many stakeholders. So obviously led by um, the private secretary's office, but with support, key support from the communications department, from the police, brilliantly, always, um, from the hospitality uh, section of the royal household, so the master of the household's department. So it is, it's, 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 it's multi-disciplined. Everything is meticulously planned. I was so fortunate to work with so many incredibly professional, loyal, dedicated people. And no surprises, I think, in an announcement like that. So no one is, is taken unaware. Most importantly, the principals involved. So members of the royal family who actually you know, play the key part, they absolutely have to sign everything off, rightly too. Well, Elsa, thank you so much for being here. It's been absolutely fascinating to hear all your stories. And I'm sure we could all sit here and talk and to you talk for to a lot you. longer. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you so much for being here today. No, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Elsa was so fascinating. We love talking to her. She needs to come back for part two. Absolutely. And next up, whenever there is a royal child out and about, you can be sure there's a Norlin nanny nearby. Oh, yes. Not in my household. <laughs> the elite group of talented caregivers are taught how to be the best of the best at the exclusive training school. And while William and Kate have very hands-on approach teaching their kids from an early age, they also have the support of their own Norlin nanny, Maria. But what does it take to be a Norland nanny and what sets them apart from the rest? We're joined by former Norland nanny Sarah Carpenter to tell us all about it. Welcome to our podcast, Sarah. Hi, thank you for having me. It's so nice to have you. So you wanted to work with children since you were 15 and you began training at 17. That is incredible. Like, how were your years at Norland College? Oh, the years at Norland were absolutely brilliant. Um, it's tough. There's no denying that it is a very intense way of training. I was obviously coming down from Scotland to go there and had never been away from home when I started at Norland. I had just turned 17 the week before or 10 days before I started. So it was, it was a huge change. It was, um, yeah, there, there was massive changes to my lifestyle. The first few weeks, I'm not going to lie, I was really, really homesick. And the first time, I think the first weekend home I had was about eight weeks into the course. And if someone had said, you don't need to go back at that point, I wouldn't have gone oh. back. But I would have massively regretted that decision. So, you know, I did settle in. So I've heard that Norlin nannies know, you know, everything from etiquette to skiing, avoiding kidnapping situations, hiding from paparazzi. I mean, how much of that is true? And what do you consider the sort of craziest thing you learned whilst you were there? <laughs> so it's uh, the course has changed a lot. I mean, I did my training back in um, 1997. And um, at that time, we were still in Hungerford in the old um, convent. So we were very much living in the grounds of the college. Of course, then moved to um, Bath and it changed a lot then. So things like the dangerous driving course that I know they do now, 
we didn't do that when I was there. Um, so it has changed a lot. But we were we were briefed on things like paparazzi and things like that. You know, we all got a bit of training on things like that. But fundamentally, the course is about the children. So that's that is the key thing. Can I ask if there's a difference between being a Norland nanny and just any other nanny? It's quite it's a hard question purely from the point of view that obviously I am a Norland nanny and that's all I've ever known. Um, and I think the training is so intensive that it is ingrained in you. Yes. But there's also things that I see in other nannies that are, you know, that it is how you are with children. So the nurturing side, obviously, is just you're not going to be a nanny if you've not got that nurturing yeah. side to you. But there are levels within being a Norland nanny where, you know, the discretion, confidentiality, how you interact with your employers um, and clients and how you treat the houses, you know, it's all very much um, part of the training that we have. And because, especially at the time that I did my training, you know, in order to fully qualify, you have to do a year of live-in nannying before you get your qualification. So a lot of the training is about respecting someone else's home and how to behave within that space. And I think that is something that really sets us apart from other um, nannying careers is that we are trained to be super respectful of absolutely everything. When I think of Nolan nannies, I um, always think of your uniforms. Uh, did you like that look? I think at the time when we were getting up every day, putting on our brown dresses and um, worrying about how well starched our collars were. I'm sure there were a few, more than a few occasions when I really resented the uniform. <laughs> However, looking back on photos and, you know, even I've still got one of my dresses and my hat at home. And when I get it out for the kids to look at, it is nice, you know, and it does, again, it does set us apart. Um, I continued to wear mine in my first job for events, so christenings and weddings and things like that. The um, family had asked me to wear my uniform for. And there is an element of being set apart and being just standing out a little bit more and being smart. You know, we were, we were smart when we were in our uniforms. And when you saw a group of us pushing the carriage prams across the lawn, it is lovely. Um, can I just ask, what were your first thoughts when you heard that Prince William and Kate had hired a Norlin nanny. I suppose my first thoughts were, of course they have. That's when I first heard of like yeah. Norlin nanny, and I'm sure a lot of people, you know, would say, yeah. Uh -huh. I think for a lot of people it would have been. I think for us, we've always known that um, over the years, Norlanders have been the nannies to the royals. So it wouldn't have been a surprise to any of us in that respect. Um, again, it's still lovely that they do come back to Norlanders, and, you know, it, it's that sets us apart again that they have chosen the Norland nannies to be their nannies which is amazing. How do those placements work? Do they get given like uh, I don't know how to explain like a like a like a booklet of how no, to uh, no, look after awful. the kids. No 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 I was going to say a booklet of nannies and then they pick their nannies but it just sounds awful. A booklet of nannies? Yeah no well like you know like a picture and then their best quality. That's like, what was that thing a while ago <laughs> that was viral, which was like, we have folders of women. Oh no, it just sounds cool. I did not, <laughs> Sarah, I apologise. I was not describing myself properly. I just want, you know, if they're given suggestions like, okay, we've got these six, which I think will fit really well in your, with your family. Uh, I think you the, are there, the, there must the be individual attributes that are particularly important to different so, families. 
the whole process will be very, very confidential. Um, we would never know if, you know, within our state, so when we were at college, we were all, we had different numbered sets. And within our state, the college had probably already pinpointed a few people that they would have thought were best suited to certain jobs. And from then on, you wouldn't know, you would never know if you were one of those people or not. You know, the, everything about Norland and everything about the way we are trained and go out into the wide world is super confidential. So there is no book of either clients <laughs> or nannies. I'd love to know if there was like a questionnaire Kate and Will had to fill out about their ideal Norland Well, maybe they wanted someone uh, who spoke course, Spanish. You know, yeah, it is always very important in certain jobs to um, have another language and things like that. You know, we fill in questionnaires at the time about our finest points and that will be given to clients to look over and decide, certainly. Like in any interview process, you know, that is your CV. So they are definitely going to be looking for things like that. It's also, there's a lot of um, choice in that. For some of us, we we just wouldn't have wanted to work for high profile clients. So you're not put in positions where you're going to be uncomfortable either, because if you're uncomfortable, you're not going to do the best job that you can. So, you know, it's very, very much making the right match. And that's important, whether it's a high profile client or just a client like you and I. The Prince and Princess of Wales's nanny obviously has the, her work cut out for her with the uh, with the three kids. What do you think that's like for her? Do you think that's quite daunting? Because obviously there is that public eye element. She will have been prepped for that. She will have been trained in that. So she will have made the decision that that was the type of job that she wanted to be a part of. So of course there's going to be certain situations that will be extremely daunting, but her training will get her through that. And do you think she'd be in charge of learning them royal, like teaching them royal protocol or maybe not in her remit? No, I'm sure she'll be a part of absolutely everything. Um, you know, generally she will have had to learn a lot. And yeah, there, there, she'll be she'll be around for all of that. She'll definitely be supporting the, the whole unit. It won't just be all on her shoulders, but she will be a major part of it and supporting everyone and supporting the children. I wonder how head in her hand she was with Prince Louis at the... Um, <laughs> at the pageant. At the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, children are children, aren't they? It doesn't matter what walk of life they come from. They're always going to pick a moment to, um, to show their true characters. But I think that's lovely and that's how it should be. You know, they are real people. So I think Louis became a little bit of a national hero that yeah. day, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of parents with three kids, or at least, I mean, I only have two, but identified with that behaviour because the f- yeah. I wanted to ask about this, actually. Do you have separate separate ways of, like, taking care of kids or, like, depending on if they're the first, middle youngest because they're so different and I don't (laughs) think you can parent you really can't parent two siblings the same they're just so so different you can and you have to be able to um, hone in on each child's personality and needs and so it doesn't matter again you know whether it's my three or whether it's a high profile family's three you are getting to know that individual child and working with them to to, the, to make sure that they are comfortable and you're supporting them. Um, but yeah, I mean, my three could not be more different and that's that's just standard. I think there's an element of, you know, I look back on my nannying days and I'm sure every parent can identify with this, not just nannies, but um, I, I look back and I think, God, 
there's days when I look at my three and I just think the children in my care would never have behaved like this. I mean, what have I done wrong? <laughs> but that is parenting. You know, you're all, you can always guarantee that children are going to behave impeccably for everyone else and then show you yeah. up in certain yeah. situations. So, and when so I was, yeah. When I was seeing Louis on TV, and there were so many mean comments on the internet about oh. how, you know, he wasn't being parented properly and how, you know, the other mums were saying, my kid would never do that. Looking at Louis, I felt relief. I was like, okay, it's not just mine, you know? That's so sad that, you know, people would be negative about it because actually, if anything, it's reassuring that she is clearly parenting perfectly and making that little boy feel so comfortable that he can behave like that. And exactly. that's what you'd yeah. much rather see than a child who um, doesn't feel comfortable in a situation. You know, Louis and um, Charlotte and George on that particular um, public event were clearly so comfortable and so happy. And it was I thought it was just lovely to see what lovely, so lovely children yeah. they, they look like they are. So when we look at the, for example, the royal children in engagement and they are behaving impeccably, do we think that is down to the nanny or are usually parents also very involved? In my experience, parents are very involved. I think the credit goes to the nanny who can identify the um, important things for the parents. So you should be able to switch between jobs and go from being a certain type of nanny in one job because that's the parents' choices and immediately switch to a completely different type of nanny in the next job. You know, every parent, as you'll know, has their own parenting styles. Yeah. And as a nanny, you should be complementing that and assisting with it rather than overtaking it. Would you also work with the parents? Because I guess, you know, especially for a new parent, you know, mum or dad, and, and you come in and you help, you can also help them. Definitely. It's all about working together. You know, it's all about identifying what's important to them, the type of parents that they want to be and helping and teaching them with that. You know, yeah. now the type of work that I do now is very, very different to Nanny in. And there will be some jobs that they will have brought me in to do the first few weeks. So, you know, they might have booked me for six weeks and it might be a case of them saying, okay, this is the situation and we need you to be here for the first six weeks and do it all. The next job that I go to could be a job where they're saying, okay, we want you in for three nights to teach us so that we have the skills to move forward with those skills and know that we can get through whatever situation is thrown at us. So it's all about change and development and identifying exactly what each client needs. Well, I was just going to ask actually how long does a Nolan nanny tend to stay with a family? Does it get to a certain age where it no longer makes sense and, you know, it's time to move on? So it can vary really drastically. Um, the longest job that I stayed in was uh, four and a half years with the same family. And in that time, they had several other children. Um, I've also done jobs that have been very short bookings, whether it's been people um, coming across from other countries on holiday over here and they just wanted a holiday nanny or they've booked me to go away with them. So it can vary drastically um, in terms of length. And um, there's also the ones where they've started with the original family. So they've um, been nannies to the babies and they've gone right through, there's maybe been a period of time where they've um, then worked within the family, whether that's been um, a sort of variation of a housekeeper or personal assistant or something like that. 
and then grandchildren have started to arrive and they've gone back to working as nannies for those families. Wow. So they can, you can continue for a very, very long time. I'd say that's probably um, more popular in London than, uh, than Scotland. But yeah, it does happen. He's really part of the family in those, in those cases. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel it's, do you behind. do you feel part of the family though? So again it varies um family to family and on those particular families' needs. Some families definitely want you to be a part of the family and you are very much a part of the family. For other um clients, they want you they are more in a different capacity and they don't need that um sort of family member or they don't want that. So again it's it is very much dependent on each client and each situation. What can our listeners finding your book and your podcast before we go they can definitely find a lot of laughs um being on a <laughs> podcast was definitely not a natural thing for me so um yeah there's a lot of uh, blunders and uh, <laughs> silly comments that have come out of both our mouths i think but i think what that is what our listeners need as well you know our aim was always even though we can't actually be with you in person, we want you to feel like you walk away from every episode having had a cuddle from us. Yes. Um, so we're, we're giving advice, but we're also real people. Um, and so the advice is there, and you can take from that what you want. We are not dictatorial. We're not saying you must do absolutely everything that we're telling you. We're saying pick out what's going to work for you um, and run with that and then come back if you want some more. Um, but yeah, the main thing is that you'll have had a laugh and you'll have felt like you've got a warm hug from us. Oh, I love that, That's Sarah. lovely. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It was lovely. Thank you, Sarah. Thank it's you. been a pleasure. Bye. Well, we're nearly at the end of our Royal Rascals episode, but obviously in real life, they're all still so young. They're all still babies. I can't wait to see how they grow up and change like Emily what do you think we can expect next from the royal kids well I think we're going to see a few more members of the royal family coming along um, we love a royal baby in 2023 are you going to book your seat for the Lindo wing again Emily oh I think my uh, Lindo wing watching days may be uh, over for this generation anyway I mean we're expecting um, at least one new arrival in the royal family in 2023 and I think a few more milestones we're going to have some historic events uh, coming up and I'm very much hoping we'll see a lot of the royal children around that time. I can't wait. Exciting stuff. Well, that's it from us but you can catch more of these episodes on Spotify, Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Don't forget that you can catch up with all of your royal and celebrity news fixes on the Daily Lowdown. Our show also available wherever you get your podcasts. But for now, we'll see you on the other side of those palace gates in our next episode. Bye! Bye. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>